You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. We talk a lot about five-star matches here on my podcast, but what we should be talking about are five-star reviews for SaveWithConrad.com. Just ask James over in Fort Worth, Texas. He says, we just closed a refinance with first family mortgage and we couldn't have been more pleased with the experience. Every team member we worked with, every single person from quote to close moved at lightning speed. We were never waiting on them. Communication from Derek's team was quick, thorough, and accurate. There was never a time where we didn't know where we were in the process. They were our second call this time. They'll be our first call from now on. Folks, we're going to save you some money and we're going to do a good job doing it. We're licensed in more than 40 states. We're a bunch of wrestling fans. You saw him reference Derek here on my team. That's my cousin. It really is First Family Mortgage. There's a chance you might even talk to my dad, Larry. That's right. My dad's at First Family Mortgage. We want to take care of you. We want our family to help your family save a bunch of cash. We're routinely helping listeners just like you save 60, 70, 80, 90, even $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest. Now, sure, you can plot along through life and say, well, I'm not having trouble making my payments. Hey, man, it ain't about that. It's about keeping more of your own money. You know how much your house payment is. Multiply it by 360. That's how many payments you'll make on a 30-year loan. And that big, scary number you're looking at? Well, that's what's called the total of payments. That's what you're actually paying for your house. And you know that's too much. Let me run the numbers for you right now at no cost, no obligation. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But I'm telling you, if you're in a 30-year loan, now is the time. Get out of debt faster, do it with cheaper monthly payments, and do it at SaveWithConrad.com. That's NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? What are you waiting for? SaveWithConrad.com. Love talking about our friend Steven Singer, and I'll tell you the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better, and he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right, the perfect price. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's not the case at Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. 
So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the master of ceremonies, Double A, the enforcer, the founder of the Four Horsemen, ladies and gentlemen. It's Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? So glad to be here. Every too, week man. gets better. Uh, things are good. Uh, how about yourself, man? I'm pumped to be here. Last week we did a little hashtag Ask Arn Anything. We also managed to uh, populate the very cool 25th anniversary of you beating Hulk Hogan on nitro over on adfreeshows.com. coming up next week. Another hashtag ask aren't anything. And then we're going to keep 1996 rolling on March 9th. We're going to cover uncensored 96. If you had to describe that doomsday cage, that four cage structure, where it was Hogan and Savage against every heel in WCW, how would you describe that match Arn? Well, it was the small cage and they got bigger on the way down. Right. Yes. That's what we talk about. Well, I am a guy that does not like heights and I'm not trying to make a joke. Uh, I remember being a teenager and like, uh, the gutters on, on my grandmother's house would get full of leaves and I'd have to climb up there and clean those out. And once I got up there, I don't know if you've ever done that but it ain't the easiest thing lining yourself up with that ladder to get back down. Right. And I'm scared of heights and that cat, whatever you call it, dungeon of doom. Is that what it was? I think it was a doomsday cage. Doomsday cage climbing up that ladder. That ladder had to be God almighty hundred feet. (laughs) There wasn't any safety harnesses. No, if you fall, you're dead. That's it. I mean, I look back at that and I knew at the time I went, Hey, once again, like war games, I have been volunteered to start this thing. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why this was Sullivan's deal more so than mine, but I started climbing and I went, you know what? If for any reason that floor down below is slick and this thing slides, I'm dead. Right. Not making a joke. I would have been dead. And it was just, you know, you would never do that today. You would take a lot more precautions, but it was just the way the business was. And once I got up there, it didn't get any better. So, you know, because you you got in a fight in that little cage and you would throw the trap door open and now you'd have to hang and drop and, you know, potential for blowing a knee out was there talking about real danger. There was real danger until you got back out of that bottom cage. And that's, that's for real. Well, speaking of dangerous cages, we're going to be talking about one today, the 2011 elimination chamber. Can't believe it. It's been 10 years since this happened. February 20th, 2011 Oracle arena in Oakland, California, 11,500 fans were in attendance that night, which sounds like a pretty good crowd. 
but the arena holds 20,000 for basketball. So business is down and the show was promoted locally as the first time there had been a wrestling pay-per-view show from the building, which is the case. And that's pretty amazing when you consider the major arenas in the country since 66, at least at one point or another have had some major shows, but when WCW ran the Bay area, they ran the cow palace. WWE ran the cow palace as well. Even San Jose. Why do you think, uh, for whatever reason, Oakland was not a stronghold? I'm not sure if it was issues. It had to be some issues with the building hmm. because, you know, the setting was great in that, in that building. Um, it was easy to get to easy to get in and out of. You still had a large population. If you counted there in San Francisco in just a, a small area. And if for the rapid fans over in San Jose, you know, you could, wasn't that far to get to Oakland. So not sure why that ever happened unless it was a hang up, uh, with the building somehow. Well, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about elimination chamber. Um, the name is, I don't know, a sensitive spot when it first debuts as a concept for a match. Um, and I understand that, but it's also a controversial decision to have a, a match in this. I don't know. Apparatus. Uh, how would you describe this giant torture device that someone in the office drew up and now the boys are expected to take bumps on? Well, the fact is for nine tenths of its existence, that cage was built not to be talent friendly. I got up in it, walked around and there was very few padded spots. Yeah. And what, you know, it, a lot of it was chain link. And I know that it was designed to look dangerous but when it really becomes dangerous, I think, I mean, who we, who are we working here? Uh, who we ribbon? And, uh, there was not very many soft spots and the way it was designed, there wasn't a whole lot of things that you could do in there that were going to be, cause you were trapped and there, you know, there, you were going to be trapped in there. There wasn't a lot of, uh, excess room on the roof of the cage where you could go up top and stand up and, and do a lot of stuff. And without a soft place to land anywhere, or at least a safe place to land and your choices got really, really small. This is, uh, probably the most dreaded cage match. I mean, I know that, you know, the, the hell in a cell probably has more of a pedigree and a soft spot in fans hearts, but amongst the boys, because of all that you just laid out, this has got to be the one that they look forward to the least, right? They did not like it. They did not enjoy it. Uh, of course it was a main event that had, you know, world title ramifications. So if you were a top guy, you wanted to be in it, even though, you know, it was dangerous. And I'm talking about, you know, guys, I heard them talking. They weren't kidding. You know, we're I expect to get hurt tonight in that cage. And, uh, just because of the construction and, uh, but still it was a main event on the show. It's a main event payoff. It puts you positioned in a, in a, 
you know, in a scenario where you could try to be creative and come up with something different. It, a lot of challenges, but a lot of positives as far as the guy that walked out of there is the winner. Let's also mention this is a phenomenal show. And I think you, if you're looking for an old show to go back and watch this week, if you're still social distancing and staying home and all that, and got some extra free time, throw this one on because this is an underrated show and we're going to get into that, but you've got two chamber matches here. One for the SmackDown heavyweight championship, one for the number one contender spot for raw, where the winner is going to be, uh, in the title match at WrestleMania 27, Jerry Lawler's got a title shot here. Yes. Jerry Lawler. Um, and this show does pretty decent, I guess, 212,000 buys on pay-per-view that's way down from the year prior, 287,000 buys. Uh, but still 200,000 buys, you're still very profitable. Let's talk about some news and notes. As we head into this show, the observer would note that the plan for the former Mystico is to bring him right to the main roster, as opposed to having him spend time in FCW learning the American style and English. Dave would say, I'm really surprised by this. The idea is that it costs so much to get him that they need to make him a valuable player as soon as possible. Whether this is short-sighted thinking or not will be viewed in hindsight. My impression is that he will have a new name and a newly designed mask and that they want to make sure the Mexican Americans and Mexicans know it is the former Mystico under the mask. I don't know that this is related to Mystico, but timing wise, I would bet it is as Jim Ross announced, they would be a major groundbreaking WWE news event on February 24th in Mexico city open to the public. This is a big deal. Mystico is regarded as the best wrestler in the entire country of Mexico. They think he's going to be the next Rey Mysterio. And, um, we know that it's not going to go exactly as planned. Um, I think most of our, our listeners probably remember him as Sin Cara. And I don't know. It was a miss. Why do you think it was? Well, because they didn't ask anybody in America who we thought was the best Mexican wrestler in the world. Right. This guy came in with all this hype and, and here it was one of those times that, that it was discussed and, and true. You need a, a Mexican star. If you're going to run Mexico sure, or Spanish yeah. countries, Ray, Ray Mysterio was that guy and you don't replace Ray. There's nobody coming along. I hadn't seen anybody to this day. That's going to eclipse Ray Mysterio and all that he's accomplished, but sitting in the genius office, mm. I'm sure the conversation went like this. Okay. Ray's been hurt a couple of times. You know, he's too little anyway, even though he had proved it don't mean a damn thing, how big he is. Uh, you know, we got to get another Mexican star in here. Who you, know, who you got? What do you got? Well, this guy didn't show me anything. Mm. Not a damn thing. He had a bad attitude. Really? If he spoke English, he acted like he didn't. Now, we're not talking about Hunico, that that guy. We're talking about the original. Sin Cara. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he just, he was one of those guys that flat brought just the Mexican style. That's what he brought to our product. Our product was not ready 
for that lack of contact, lack of selling, all those things, just the whirly bird stuff that had no psychology behind it. And I don't know, you know, I like Ray Mysterio because of several reasons. He is small, but he figured out a way to work his matches Mm -hmm. where he used every bit of his body to knock you down or chip away at you and get you in a position that he could do a springboard or whatever it was and knock you down. So at the end of the day, he spent most of the match selling. He had one flurry that made sense that was able to get him almost to winning or winning, but in a way that made sense. None of that reasoning was in this guy's tool belt. You know, he thought he would just, Bounce guys around twice his size, very little selling, just pop up out of nowhere. Everything I've been taught about this business and everything that the audience loves, the storytelling, the selling, the underdog, all that stuff was lost on him. But it came from the top. We had to have a star. So those of us that had these feelings and relayed these feelings just got heat. Mm. Just like everything else, when you point out the obvious to the brain trust, some places, they don't like the fact that it. once they hear it, they go, you know that he's right. It's right. He's slapping me in the face with it. And I don't like it. I don't like the fact that he's slapping me in the face with it. When all you're doing is pointing out the obvious. Uh, and he was one of those guys in a funny story. We were over in, uh, Ah, South, yeah, South Africa, last day of a tour. And this guy had heat with everybody. His selling was terrible. Everything was terrible. It was an afternoon show, the last day of the tour. Uh, I think we're in Cape Town. And for lunch that day, catering, before we left to come to the building, uh, I saw some beef in a bowl and scooped it up, had a pretty good portion I was hungry, so I was eating fast, and all of a sudden I went, it's got a wang to it. I called the guy over. I go, sir, this, I mean, is this beef cooked all the way? He said, that's not beef. That's ostrich. Oh. You had ostrich before? I have not. Well, that will, unless it was just me being a southern boy who eats chicken and beef, and pork chops. I got sick as a dog. And you talking about food poisoning? I mean sick. And I'll get to the point pretty pretty quickly here. It's not about me being sick. It's about the fact that this guy was booked with Cody. Oh. Cody was one of the young guys that was trying to make his way in the business. And this dipshit made it difficult. And this is in previous matches every way he possibly could. Cody wasn't advanced enough, I thought, to be able to deal with this guy who's not selling his stuff, that's just wanting to pop up, run high spots, and all the bullshit. Well, now I can't even go to the curtain to watch the matches. I'm laying on a trainer's table with those hot pads on me, shaking, shivering, puking in a trash can, running back and forth to the toilet. I mean, 
ostrich sick. I got a really nice pair of white ostrich boots. Never occurred to me to eat them. <laughs> I mean the shits. So I'm getting reports from the extra referee. And he went, I told Cody, I said, go kid. It's the last day of the tour. Go out there and show him what we do. And I'm getting reports and Cody beat the piss out of this guy and made him fight him. And all the high spots went away and it turned into a real good scuffle. And I guess it was the best match that guy had had to that point. And one of the best matches Cody had, but it was about a half ass shoot. I missed every bit of it because we had to go straight to the airport, get on a plane and fly 13 hours to Atlanta. Sick as a dog. But again, the only good match this guy, our, you know, because he was gone after that pretty quickly. So only decent match he must have ever had with our company. And I don't remember seeing it because I didn't see it. Hey, yo, check this out. Lucy Nicotine is a company founded by Caltech scientists and former smokers looking for a better and cleaner nicotine alternative. Finally, tobacco alternatives that don't suck. This has been researched and developed for three years to be made for people, not patients. And Lucy has created a nicotine gum with four milligrams of nicotine. It comes in three flavors, wintergreen, cinnamon, and pomegranate. Lucy also has a lozenge with lozenge, you know, cough drop, bro has four milligrams of nicotine and cherry ice flavor. Each and every flavor actually tastes great. I mean, you know me, that's part of the deal. It's got to taste good if I'm going to do it. Uh, it's convenient. It's discreet. These products can be enjoyed anywhere, whether you're on a flight or at work or even in the gym. And here's the thing, man, I get it. If you've got a loved one in your life, who's a smoker and I do in fact, once upon a time, my wife used to smoke. She doesn't now. And products like Lucy will help the loved one in your life. Kick the habit, baby. And it's 2021. It's time to get rid of your cigarettes, man. Unplug your vape, throw out your dip, get you some Lucy nicotine gum or lozenges. This really is the real deal. A subscription to Lucy comes directly to your door each month. It's so simple and you don't even have to leave your house because Lucy has delivery down and our Arn listeners can go to lucy.co and use promo code Arn to get 20% off all their products, including the gum or the lozenges. That's lucy.co and use the promo code Arn at checkout. Also, I have to give you this disclaimer warning. This product contains nicotine derived from tobacco. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Duh. That's why we're here. Go to lucy.co. Be sure to use that promo code ARN, A-R-N, lucy.co. Come on, man. Get with the programs 2021 throughout them SIGs. Go to lucy.co. Use our promo code ARN. In that era, were you guys recording house show matches just to review them later? No. Man, I wish there was footage of that. That would have been great to see. Yeah, I mean, that didn't happen until much later. Well, uh, we know that uh, Mystico is not long for this world. Uh, let's also talk about something else that's not long for this world. The Chaperone. It did so little in its opening weekend of its theatrical release that the box office charts didn't even list it. Uh, sort of like they did with knucklehead Meltzer would say they didn't expect to make money on theatrical releases and only do a few markets just to try and position it as something other than a straight to DVD release. Arn, what's your favorite movie from WWE studios? Uh, I watch shows because I love show and, and it was entertaining. It wasn't going to win any Oscars. 
I thought Kane did a really good job on see no evil. I yep. think it was, Yep. you know, as far as being a monster, um, again, like everything else. And it almost seems like a cop out. I didn't have any free time yeah. to be watching movies and that's folks out there. It's not a cop out. It wasn't me being lazy. When you got a day and a half to two and a half days home twice a month, watching WWE straight to video movies was not my idea of the way to spend the limited time I had. I'm sorry, no disrespect to the boys, but that's the way it was. So I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of them. I'm surprised you could name one of them. Not many people can, uh, not many people can be named as pot smokers in this era either. Meltzer would say right now, the locker room level of smoking pot is probably the lowest in the history of the company. It's a $2,500 fine. Plus if you test positive, it's kind of implied that you're going to start losing matches. The testing has gotten much stricter, stricter with certain guys. They actually send testers to their homes. And at other times they'll get phone calls at random times when they are home and are told you have one hour to get to his testing facility. A lot of people are using a marijuana substitute that beats the test. Obviously this has changed because the laws have changed. I never understood why WWE was cracking down on this anyway. What say you? The only thing I can think of is because it was still illegal. Yeah. And if the guys get pulled over on a trip after, you know, one of the shows and Rob Van Dam, <clears throat> a lot of bad press, right? Yeah. Yeah. And if you would have had, you know, Rob was not that he wasn't a big star, but that got enough bad press. And in those days, it was still illegal. There was still a stigma that went with it. It yeah. was, let's just face it. If it's illegal, it doesn't matter what we think about it. That's right. The fact is, if you get caught and you're a high profile, if that, if that car would have got pulled over with four big stars in it, it would have been international news. You know, go back, go back to, uh, the Sheik and Duggan when they oh, got yeah. pulled over. Major news. I mean, you thought that Russia had bombed the Pentagon. Right. You know, it was big news. And, you know, pot pot smokers and pot smoking for me has always been, I never looked at it as a big deal. And and for guys that, that are in a situation beating their body up the way it is, uh, I looked at it like drinking a 12 pack after, you know, a show to, to relax you where you can sleep or drinking some whiskey, or if you want to burn a joint, never bother me because it is what it is. It's a, it's a very mild drug that, you know, you can control it. It doesn't take over your, your life and, uh, you know, commit you to being addicted to it, that you got to have it every minute of every day. That's my observation. It was just for, you know, a way for guys to relax after they went out and, and beat their body half to death. So, you know, I never understood it, but I think, you know, the office up there and, and, and I get it. They don't want any negative press. You know, we already get enough flack just being wrestlers and, and in the wrestling industry, because a lot of people don't understand, you know, what is it, it is evolved to, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's cleaned itself way up, but in those days, that was the big no, no, 
no pot. Well, the big, uh, new thing was a bus. Meltzer right? A lot of the top stars who are making big money, like big show undertaker, triple H, Cena, edge, and Mysterio are traveling in tour buses like rock bands travel in. It's all tax deductible as a business expense for TV. Cena travels with Michael Cole as the two are best friends. So I remember buses becoming a thing, but I guess this is the era where buses became a thing. But the thing that jumps out here to me, Cena's traveling buddy was Michael Cole. Couldn't have called that. I think the time frames are a little, you know, Cena was, you know, one of the guys that got a bus first, wasn't he? Yeah. And, he had one. and uh, you know, I'm sure he made some trips when he first got on the road and, and with different guys. I know that he used to travel with Finaki for God's sakes, which would have been entertaining, but oh, uh, yeah. uh, as far as when he rode with Michael Cole, I'm not sure. But to me, when you're making the kind of money, you know, if you're making million and a half, yeah, two million dollars, probably for some of these guys, that bus is the only way to go. Yeah. What a big difference from walking out the door and getting four guys in a Taurus and going 350 miles, or walking out, getting on your bus, having Outback sitting there, steaming hot, waiting on you, a few cold beers, and have a guy drive you right, and most of them would go right to the gym they were going to train at the next day. So they pulled in that parking lot and parked somewhere off to the side. Wake up, you're already at the gym. Wow. How sweet is that as far as making your life a lot easier? Hard to beat. And it was uh, 100% tax write-off. You write off every dime of it. It's a smart business thing to do anyway. I always believed I never had any bus or anything like that, but I always slept in a Marriott. I had a nice rental car. I invested a few bucks in my own sanity. And a lot of guys couldn't figure that out. There was four of them in a, you know, in a uh, small car that for another 10 bucks a day, they could have got a luxury car yeah. with some, with some leg room. And they would go to the red roof no, no knock in the red roof, but Hey, let's face it. It ain't the Marriott right? with the, with the Marriott. You know what you got. You got a clean room. You know, you're going to have room service the next morning. Some of them had nice little gyms in there that you could train one stop shopping. It was usually in a good, safe area of town. You know, a lot of pluses. That was my bus, but a lot of the guys that, you know, were making a whole hell of a lot more than me made the right choice. Got them a bus. Let's talk about one of those guys who made a bunch Dwayne Johnson reviving his character. The rock made his first live appearance as a WWE performer at a live TV event. It was the February 14th raw. This is his first appearance since his contract expired at the end of Oh four. So it's a big deal. He's 38 years old and Meltzer would write as expected. He was revealed to be the mystery guest host for WrestleMania. He came out in the final segment of the show and cut about a 20 minute promo delivering every single catchphrase in some form or another and tore the roof off of the Honda center in Anaheim. Johnson was calling himself the most electrifying man in all of entertainment and teasing confrontations with both John Cena and the Miz. The crowd didn't know how to take the tease of Cena's confrontation and bad mouthing Cena. And in fact, there were some boos, probably the vast majority of the audience had no idea of Cena a few years ago, knocking Johnson for never returning. Johnson claimed he wasn't there because of the money. He wasn't there to promote a movie and he made fun of Cena's bad movies as a receipt 
from the 2008 moment when uh, he inducted his uh, father and grandfather in the hall of fame. But he did note that he did doom and, uh, well, that was a bad movie too. Uh, Johnson says I'm never leaving again. And Meltzer would say this is an interesting career decision because for years he had phased out the name, the rock going just by Dwayne Johnson in the movies. Uh, and he did well as a kid star, but in returning to the action genre, he bought the name, the rock back. And it's been part of him trying to maybe reconnect with the wrestling audience since 2009, he had been saying he was interested in returning for a raw, but he wanted to do something with great impact. With WrestleMania needing a celebrity lure because it was missing the special spark, Rock was the guy. So chat me up. Uh, you were around when when Rock was hot and on top before. When he comes back, this had to be a happening because when he comes back, he's not just coming back as a former top guy. He's coming back as the biggest star in the world, right? Absolutely, and that has only grown and prospered. Uh, and, and it's on the the responsibility of people watching when he says he's never leaving again, this guy's not telling you he's going to be on raw every week, right? He's going to tell you that he knows now that, uh, he lost some of his audience because wrestling fans are, are awesome and they are very, very loyal, but when they really figure out and you've been gone five or six or seven weeks that you're really gone, they find somebody else to pull for. And what would you expect them to do? Uh, Rock, after he left and he pursued his acting career, he was gone for a very long time. And when he said, hey, I'm not leaving again, he meant, guys, I'm going to be popping back in periodically. I would be very, very surprised if I'm wrong on that deal. He didn't mean I'll be here every Monday and I'll be there for SmackDown on Tuesday. But he already had established himself in Hollywood. It made him a bigger star, and he was just so good on that mic. It's like he had never missed a beat. He is one of those guys that can go out there and literally for 10, 12, 14 minutes because of his delivery and intelligence and and just his personality, he can entertain an audience for that long, and it's amazing all time as far as uh, talkers in the business take yourself off the list who's up there <laughs> Who, who's on your mount rushmore of of promo oh. guys well i mean how can you not put that guy there he's there but who's joining him do you think well i think if you're talking about connecting with the audience you got to put austin there right yep sure how can you not put rick yep now there's that Last that spot. next that next place you know where it gets a little bit you know, gray, uh, nope. I like the no Jake, the snake, Jake, the snake Roberts mm. when, when he was evil. Oh yeah. It was hard to beat evil Jake with the snake. And, uh, he just had that low voice. And yep. when he talked, he pulled you in because he just, it was the tone of his voice. It was different. Sucked you in totally different. And I'm sure there's a lot of people. How do you not put dusty roads on that list? Well, it's all a matter of opinion. You know, I mean, if you said Terry Funk or Hulk Hogan or dusty roads, and we could go on and on and on, but clearly the rock is is on that short list of great promo guys. Yeah. I mean, he he has to be, and you know, before we, you know, get off of the rock, I just, 
you and I've talked and, and I am hundred percent, you know, shooting with this. Like I know you are, we meet a lot of people in life and, and do your business, Conrad, and, you know, and my business and just in different places, you, you meet a lot of people Yeah, and we've always treated, I think we agree on certain people the way they treat us. Yeah, of course. It's reciprocal. Just because a guy's not popular with three fourths of the locker room, if he's been nice to me and polite to me and, you know, receptive to me, Hey, I like the guy. Yeah. Cause that's what I base it on. So before WCW was bought, the rock was, had already flamed up. I mean, he was red hot, but it was before the company had been bought. I was walking through Pittsburgh airport early one morning. We had done a show there the night before and it was empty. I mean, just empty. So I don't know if you know about Pittsburgh, but it's pretty spread out. Yep. Uh, places to eat are spread out, but I had found a place there where, you know, I'd bellied up to the bar and was placing an order, but there was nobody around. And all of a sudden I hear enforcer and I turn around and it's rock. I'd never met rock. He just said, you know, you got just a moment. I said, well, <laughs> yeah, he goes, I just want to thank you. Thank you for everything you've contributed to the business. You know, uh, all your hard work and dedication and all the things and what you mean to the industry. And, you know, just a plethora of, of nice things. Shook my hand, gave me a hug and turn. He had two guys with him that had, we're off a little bit at a distance. The three of those guys took off. Now I'd never met this guy, how he recognized me with my back turned. You know, a lot of guys got ball spots. Couldn't have been that, <laughs> but it's just one of those things to where I could count on one hand times I've been treated that respectfully. And that was one of them. And it just, it just floored me. And he didn't have to do that. He could have just kept walking you know, and, and we would have never even made eye contact, but that's kind of the guy he is. He's just a classy, respectful, talented guy that I, for one, am tickled to death for all of his success. Absolutely. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy and a, and a bigger professional and all my dealings with him as few as they were with WWE and a wrestling capacity, because that was way above my pay grade. I mean, he had his own, I think Brian Gewertz was his writer. He yep. had his own producer and, uh, you know, it went all the way to the top Vince, I think did some of rocks producing, but that's the guy he is. You know, in these shows, a lot of times we talk about what's a work and what's a shoot. Check out this five-star review that Robert from Vancouver, Washington left us at save with my husband and I worked with Derek for our refi. Derek was incredibly responsive and helped this complicated process easy to manage and understand. The team at First Family could teach a master class on first-rate customer service. We're going to pay our house off in half the time, and we're paying just a little bit more per month at a much better rate. This is a huge win for us. Thanks, Derek, Conrad, and the rest of the First Family gang. If you're not working with Conrad, you're getting worked. Don't get worked. 
pay your house off in half the time and do it with roughly the same monthly payment. And by the way, if you've got credit card debt, we can make it go away just like that. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. So what are you waiting for? Let us run the numbers for you at no cost and no obligation. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Come on, get you some of that at SaveWithConrad.com. Well, here's how he recognized you. I mean, when you look over and you see 250 pounds of country bulk on a bar stool, it kind of stands out. Cultured bulk, cultured bulk. You said country bulk back in the I day. I never said country, cultured bulk. Well, I'm going to play it for you because Tony and I howled with laughter. We loved it. And we're going to start selling t-shirts. That's a country who? bulk. Shivato. Never said country. Right, cultured a- bulk. Are you denying that you're country? No, I'm country. And if, <laughs> and had I mumbled that maybe, and you just misheard it, okay. you're going to have to pull it up, play it loud, dissect it. We're going to break it down like the JFK film. Uh, <laughs> here we go, though. Let's talk about this segment with The Rock. Apparently, it was originally proposed to call the segment Leave It to Bieber. And tease to the public that Justin Bieber might actually be revealed to be the guest host. And then they were going to swerve him and reveal that it was the rock Meltzer smartly says that would have been a terrible idea. The reaction would have been horrific. Um, do you remember there ever being serious discussion about doing something with Bieber? Cause Bieber was over like a Rover back then. To who, who was he over with kids, girls. Not our audience. Uh, well, but you guys were marketing Cena to Cena to kids. Maybe you could have got the little girls to watch too. It wouldn't have been a bad mm. idea. Maybe. Are you actually putting Cena and Justin Bieber in the same box? Okay, maybe not exactly. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about uh, Atlanta because we're headed towards the big WrestleMania in Atlanta, and Meltzer would say at this point, ticket sales have already topped fifty thousand. So there's no concern about the Georgia dome being full or not. Uh, but he is saying that doing less than 500,000 buys, which he thinks could be a possibility would be the lowest number for a WrestleMania since 1997. Were you thinking in this era, Hey man, business is, uh, is headed down or did you feel like, Hey, we're doing, we're doing pretty well. Well, WrestleMania, you know, paid a lot of bills. Oh yeah. And when you heard out, you know, heard about it selling out the live show in a couple of weeks and plus the seats that have been released and all those things that they do as you get closer to showtime, that pays a lot of bills. But yes, I was very aware that we were in a, in a little bit of a crossroads where we needed to, you know, we had lost Austin, we had lost rock, we had lost some of those stars, you know, didn't have taker you know, on a regular, regular basis, I don't think during that time. Uh, but you know, we were in a transition of trying to build some new stars and get some new guys over. And when that happens, when you're in that interim period where you don't have that hot baby face or two, they just, you know, they come out and they just take over the show. Uh, then you're going to see a drop because baby faces are the ones that sell t-shirts and heels, you know, in the old days used to be the ones that sold tickets, 
But when you quit being able to get legitimate heat, then the burden also falls on the baby faces to draw the money. Well, let's get to the uh, event itself. I put it over earlier saying this is a great show to go back and watch. And here's why the readers of the wrestling observer gave it 97.3% thumbs up only 0.5% thumbs down only 2.2% thumbs in the middle. People love this show. You watched it back for the first time in 10 years. What'd you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Would you agree? I like the show. I think it's well done. I don't, you know how I am about two of one, the, you know, we've got two of the same match. That's a little too much, but they did okay with it. Yeah. I mean, they're very creative. They tried to switch up the spots and things that they can do, but you know, there's a lot of things that still got you saw in the second match that you saw in the first match, you know, crashing into the, the glass and all that stuff. And, and each time you do that, it is less effective, less effective. It's like dives during yeah. a, you know, during a show. Yeah. First one, spectacular. Second one, semi-spectacular. Third one, ho-hum. I like the SmackDown chamber match, the early one, rather than the late one better. Do you agree with that? You know why? Because they had a fresh crack out of it. You there hadn't you seen anything. Okay. You're not wrong. Uh, Meltzer would write the elimination chamber on 220 was the final pay-per-view before mania. It was one of the company's best pay-per-view shows of the past five years, as noted by the overwhelming thumbs up. Like with the rumble, our volume of, of responses was way up from last year which would indicate a good sign when it comes to pay-per-view numbers. The results from the show were predictable as they pretty much had to be without doing harm to your cause. Uh, let's get into the cards, uh, opening the, the show we've got, um, who is it here? It's Alberto Del Rio defeating Kofi Kingston in a non-title match, 10 minutes, 28 seconds. Meltzer would say the announcers were instructed not to talk about the title. Del Rio mostly worked over Kingston's back, including tackling Kingston on the apron and driving him into the post and then into the ring steps. And the crowd starts going crazy for Del Rio, but they didn't boo Kingston. Ultimately, um, Kingston's going to struggle to, uh, block the arm bar. And then eventually he's going to tap out three and a quarter stars. It's a little weird to go back and think in this era, a lot of people thought Alberto Del Rio was going to be the next big thing. And Kofi Kingston was almost a placeholder. Now Kofi Kingston has wound up had having a much bigger and better career. what do you think watching this one back for the first time in 10 years? Well, yeah, I mean, Alberto was, was doing well. He was progressing, uh, you know, and, uh, he was new and fresh, handsome guy, you know, and, and he brought some stuff to the table from that Mexican style. Uh, but he also did some rough stuff. Kofi, you know, was, you know, that slow burn, that slow build, starting to get over a little bit along, a little bit along. And he, he did so many good things, you know, that uh, people enjoyed. He really started to get over. And uh, this was all happening during that time. Let's, uh, let's talk about the dark match. I kind of glossed over that. I shouldn't have. The United States champion, Daniel Bryan is the dark match. He gets a win over Ted DiBiase. Can you imagine? I mean, in three years, this guy's going to be winning everything at WrestleMania. And here he is on a pay-per-view as us champ, not even on the main card. 
the office just didn't know what they had in Daniel Bryan at the time. Did they, they wouldn't trust anybody else's opinion or believe what they saw. It was still too small, too bland. Sometimes, you know, you can't see the trees for the forest as the saying goes, this was one of those major situations. Let's talk about the first, uh, elimination chamber. This was my favorite of the two. It's the SmackDown one uh, edge is in there and he's going to retain the world title 31 minutes and 28 seconds. He beats Kane, drew McIntyre, Ray Mysterio, Wade Barrett, and big show Meltzer would say Dolph Ziggler had been advertised all along, but they did the storyline where he was fired. So Teddy long came out and announced that big show was the replacement, even though show lost to Wade in qualifying. But Meltzer still dug it. He says this was an excellent match, the best match so far in WWE in 2011. He gave it four and a quarter stars and said it was one of the better chamber matches in history. And he even said the last several minutes where it was down to just Edge and Mysterio was awesome. They're pulling out all the stops here, a lot of talented guys, but it's interesting to look at this lineup. Edge is back now in WWE in present day. Kane just popped back in for the rumble. Of course, he's a full-time mayor. Ray Mysterio is still here chugging along, doing his thing. I don't know exactly the contractual status of big show outside of an occasional appearance here and there. Uh, Wade Barrett is, I don't think doing anything in ring, but he's tiptoeing back in and drew McIntyre is, uh, the top guy, but I don't know that anybody necessarily saw that for drew here besides maybe Vince McMahon. So even though we're easy to say, oh man, they didn't see anything in Daniel Bryan. He at least did see it in drew. It took a while for us to maybe be fully realized, but I, I dig this talent mix and, and I don't know why, but the match just really worked. What'd you think about it? Well, you know why? Because everybody in that thing, when a new guy came out of that, uh, pod, the guys knew their job, feed him, give him a comeback, make that pod opening be spectacular and you know drew was the chosen one vince gave him that moniker you know uh early on and wade barrett was one of those guys that was talented he could talk he was big he could work and they knew what their job was you know and all the other guys knew when you know we got to make the new guys but we also the new guys have to know their position and go in and bust their hump. They're in a main event match and everybody did their job. I think when show came down, you know, it just, I mean, show doesn't get the credit that he should for a guy that size. He was very unselfish in making guys out. Matter of fact, he would want to go so far as to do things that he Giants don't do. Right. And I had to reel him in many times. He'll tell you that because you never get a second chance to be a giant. Kane is Kane. But when it got down to Edge and Ray, I think everyone knew Edge was beatable. Certainly, Ray on any given day could get beat. So it made it interesting. You could not call who was going to go over in that match. That made it interesting. After the match, Del Rio hits the ring and puts edge in the arm bar. And then Christian returns and makes the save. He gets the usual big reaction for a surprise run in. 
Uh, and Meltzer would say, unlike most angles of this type that are used to explain surgeries and then long forgotten when it should be a payoff, they did bring up the storyline that it was actually Del Rio's arm bar that led to Christian's surgery. The referees pull Christian off, but he breaks free and lays out Del Rio with the kill switch. So it's pretty nice to see, um, uh, a, a nice little post-match angle here and a cool return for Christian, which we just saw at the Royal rumble. Uh, are you surprised to see Christian back in the ring in 2021? Not, not really. I mean, and uh, as he showed, he can still go. Yeah. You know, you look, you look at age and it's relative. And in this industry, if you've been off for a while, very few people could have pulled off what Christian did to me. He looked just like he always looked and he came down and he was effective and he did some good stuff. And if he's healthy enough, he can contribute. Uh, but I would say there's not a lot of guys that could take the amount of time that he did off at the age he is and come back and do what he did. So, you know, we shouldn't take it with a crane of thought. We should look at it and go, that was pretty spectacular. Well, let's talk about the promo we get from Jerry Lawler. Uh, everybody loves an old school Lawler promo, but that's not what we're going to get here with Matt Stryker. Uh, Lawler is very low key and different than almost any interview you've ever heard him in with WWE. And they talk about how this should have been a big week in his life, challenging for the title and getting a ticket to mania. And he notes that he never won the title and he'd never even wrestled at WrestleMania, but this week was different. His mother passed away and Matt Stryker, who plays a heel on commentary said he's pulling for Lawler here. This is a nice, you know, listen, I don't, I know sometimes we don't like when they involve real life stuff, but I think if you're a sports fan, you think back to that incredible performance that Brett Favre had after his father passed away and it becomes like another reason to root for the guy, right? Hell yes. Boy, what an analogy. Yeah. That puts it in perspective because it was real. Yeah. And, you know, there's some people that lose their mom in, you know, in all different walks of life that never get over it. Mm -hmm. Some fall apart for a day or a week or whatever the grieving process is, just so they can pull their life together. Um, And some use it as motivation. And I think the king became Jerry Lawler, the son and made that real for every one of us out there watching it and his whole tone and everything changed. Uh, and to be honest with you, when he said I've never wrestled and for the title and what was the other thing? WrestleMania. He, yeah. He'd never been at WrestleMania. Who wouldn't have been shocked? Oh, would you dream that? No, I, I'm thinking, nah, come on. That's, that can't be there because Jerry Lawler was a big star in this business for a very, very long time as a wrestler. He's God in Memphis. Yeah, still is. To this day. And uh, he's been on, you know, WWE TV as a commentator and been entertaining for holy smokes how long. And, I mean, he's just like he's become a, you know, a part of your life if you're a WWE fan. And for to find out that that guy has never had a shot at, at Mania or for the title, first thing I'm thinking, plus, you know, his mom just died. Holy smokes. 
this guy deserves something. Yeah. And when you found out, you know, that he was going to get a crack at the title, that something became something huge. Something that wasn't huge was the next segment. Booker T comes to the ring and talks about coaching tough enough. Then he introduces Trish as one of the new coaches and uh, she's going to go out and does her best rock impression and says, finally, the Trish has come back to Oakland and the crowd groaned. Uh, she clearly wasn't comfortable with the line, but delivered it anyway. The segment was bombing and then Booker tried to save it. He's pushing the premiere of the show. I'm okay with this on raw, but on a pay-per-view dude, this is just weird. Isn't it? Forced. Yeah. Forced is the right word. Next up. We've got Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel getting a win over Santino Morella and Vladimir Kozlov to win the tag titles in five minutes and seven seconds. Um, Kozlov would tag in, go to power slam Gabriel, but Gabriel is tagged by Slater before being slammed. And then Slater clips Kozlov from behind and uses a reverse DDT on him. He tags in Gabriel who gets the pin after a four fifty. star in a quarter. Boy, no disrespect to these performers, but there's a spot for the tag titles, but not for the U S champion of Daniel Bryan versus Ted DiBiase. Again, it just shows you, man, they just didn't have any confidence in Daniel Bryan. Interesting cast and crew here. Uh, Vladimir Kozlov. I think you and I've talked about a little bit before how the office stopped and started and cut it, cut his water off. Santino Morella, though, a legit badass in real life became one of the great comedy figures. And I have a feeling that, uh, he tickled you. It is. I love Santino and it was a ha ha deal. You know, they didn't need the titles. They didn't need to be associated with the titles. Yeah. And to be honest with you, remember your plug in your memory banks in those days, tag teams were not looked at as being a necessity, right? Anything, but that's four sets trans. That's all it was. And they weren't being pushed. It was just like a novelty. It was like the 24 seven title is right now. What does it really mean? Nothing. Zero. No disrespect. Truth. Truth. Entertaining son of a gun. You mean Great Doug, guy. Doug, Doug Flutie had it last. I don't know. By the time this airs, who knows? But yeah. By now, Doug Flutie's grandmother's probably the <laughs> champion. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about Justin Gabriel. Of course, he's PJ black with ring of honor these days. And our man, Heath Slater is now over on impact wrestling. He's uh, rehabbing a little bit of an injury, but he'll be back. I wanted to talk a little bit about Heath here though, because I read something the other day on social that I thought, man, I gotta ask, I gotta ask Arn about that. I think it was Dolph Ziggler who referred to Heath Slater as being the most beloved person who was ever in a WWE locker room. As far as the way his comrades, his coworkers felt about him. What was it about Heath Slater that all the boys in the back loved? Because he is a, he is a redneck from West Virginia, much in the vein of Jamie Noble, who's just a good, honest guy. And it's not lost on Heath that he is able to live his dream that he's actually in the wrestling business and he wants to contribute with him. It's not having a title and making the most money. He just wants to get out there and perform. And one of the things just to tell you how Heath is when Heath came up with that 
I've got kids. Yeah. And it flamed up. Yeah. We as a company should have jumped on it and pushed it and pushed it because he is a guy that has kids and his wife and his children. That's his life. Right. Wrestling is his job and he's an honest guy. He Slater is the kind of guy that at four in the morning, if you broke down 200 miles from where he was at four in the morning and you called him and said, Heath, I'm broke down. Can you come get me? He would crawl out of the bed, get in his car and come get you. And that's one of those signs that somebody will do that for you. And that's a straight up, honest blessing to the business. And that's the guy that they love. I would put Brody Lee up there with him as far as being beloved mm-hmm. in the industry. And it's like Slater never said a bad thing about anybody to my knowledge. And he's just one of those rare, rare deals. It's like Jerry Lynn who works for AEW. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. I agree. You spend 10 minutes around Jerry Lynn. If you had the flu or you were sick or you broke your knee yesterday, hell, you feel good after that conversation <laughs> because he's such an honest guy. I'll give you an example. The other day I said, who are you pulling for in the uh, Super Bowl, Jerry? And he went, what is the Super Bowl? Well, this about three days away. Well, I don't even know who's in the Super Bowl. I said, Jerry, it's come on, man. That's un-American. He says, well, my wife will have some stuff for me to do when I get home. I may not get to watch it anyway. And he wasn't hanging about it. That's just who he is. That's funny. Awesome guy. Same thing with Slater. Let's talk about Vicky Guerrero. Another beloved figure. She comes out to nuclear heat. She's admitting that Ziggler had attacked long and, uh, she says Ziggler was confused and only trying to show Vicky how much he loved her. She called it a crime of passion and asked Teddy Long to hire him back, saying he was sorry. And she told, uh, Teddy Long comes out and says, I'm in a rehiring mood. So he rehires Kelly Kelly, who runs to the ring and chases uh, Vicky around. And eventually she catches her and starts to bounce her head around. And that's when Lay Cool comes out. This segment is just sort of there for me, but, uh, uh, I guess we needed some, let me up. We needed some filler, but why right after the tag match, I, I don't understand the pacing of this show just yet. Nor did the people that wrote it down. If you're going to have just a quick title switch that nobody cares about, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it's, and it would be regarded as downtime because there was probably no story behind the tag match stuff. And just running random people down. It was just to get folks on TV, attractive ladies, you know who they are. They've got some, some airtime on the show, but when you pay, how much is it for a pay-per-view event? I think it was probably 35, 40 bucks here. You want to see all the stories and all the angles and all the top guys in a contest. And to back to back these two, no disrespect to anybody, but it's time for something big. Right. Just as a fan looking at it, you have to layer that show that you slip in 
cameos by different talent, you got to layer that and lay it out where the show continues to build. You don't want a big pothole at that point in the show. Let's remind everybody, Miz won the WWE title in November of 2010 and Jerry Lawler was pretty critical of Miz winning this way by using his money in the bank briefcase and cashing in once Randy Orton was injured. Uh, he would also uh, have a, a losing effort against Miz in a TLC match after fellow commentator, Michael Cole stopped Lawler from climbing the ladder. And then on the January 31st episode of raw, the GM, the anonymous GM announced a raw rumble match to determine the WWE championship contender for elimination chamber. And the losing participants will all be thrown into the chamber to decide who gets a title shot at WrestleMania, but the winner gets a title shot at elimination chamber. So the match has CM Punk, Randy Orton, King Sheamus, John Morrison, John Cena, our truth and Jerry Lawler in a freaking awesome moment. Lawler last eliminated Sheamus to win the battle Royal. And I'll be damned. He's got a title match here at the elimination chamber. As we talked about earlier in the week, his mom legitimately passed away. So of all the times in history, he would normally just take off, but here he's not, he's here to wrestle for the world championship. Miz gets the win 12 minutes and seven seconds. He retains the whole place is standing a legit standing ovation as Lawler comes out. And this is a fun old school match. It got three and a half stars. Um, Meltzer would say Lawler tried for a pile driver, but Miz escaped. They went for a series of cradles until Miz kicked Lawler in the head and then used the skull crushing finale for the pin. It was a very good match as the crowd was into Lawler's quest to win the title far more than anyone chasing it in recent memory. Because of that story, every move in the match meant something. Cole then celebrated like crazy, saying that Lawler had just showed he was an embarrassment to the company. The crowd gave Lawler another standing ovation when it was over. Of course, the reason Michael Cole is doing this is Lawler is going to get his big WrestleMania moment. He's going to have a match with Michael Cole. That's real. Uh, But the match got three and a half stars. And I got to tell you, I love this. It, It almost reminded me of several years prior when edge wrestled flair in a ladder match for the title or a few years prior to that, where Hunter wrestled Arn, your Arn Hunter wrestled Rick for the title in the main event in Greenville, South Carolina, even if they knew in their heart, Rick's not going to be world champ. He's, you know, damn near 60. They still believed in that moment and they believed in Jerry Lawler right here. And I think this is an example of when wrestling is not just good, but when wrestling is great, when you suspend all disbelief and you're lost in the story and you're like, he's going to do it, he's going to do it. And you know, you shouldn't be that excited, but boy, it sure is fun to have that almost childlike excitement about a match again. Isn't it? You know, the answer it's what we do. Yes. It's what sells tickets It what makes you run to the TV set when you forgot it's two minutes to eight on Monday and went, Jesus Christ, I got to cut on TV, got to cut on the show for whatever company it was. It's, it's what keeps bringing them back. Absolutely. And you're right. And if you don't have a story and a reason for everything happening and what you saw was what they were cheering was the decades of entertainment that Jerry Lawler had given them. 
and it wasn't as important that he won and became world champion as him getting his due and giving a good accounting for himself and what, you know what, making it competitive enough that shit, like you said, he's going to do this. He's going to do the unthinkable. And I'll just go you one further just because the kind of champion Miz was at the time. Nobody believed Miz was the toughest guy in the locker room. He wasn't going to, you know, thump Brock Lesnar. He wasn't going to, you know, come in and shove his weight around. He's a guy that was an old-fashioned chicken shit heel that got his heat through his promos, and it would not have hurt him one bit for one week to drop that title. And can you imagine all the – you know, social media, if that was around at the time or whatever Nuts. it was, it was available. Just the communication of people picking up the phone, calling each other. Jerry Lawler's a world champion. You could have pulled that off for a week. And guess what? If you got to the next week and those reactions were just like they were the week before, shit, do it again. Give him a challenger. Let him defend the title. Who are you going to hurt? Such a great it's, story. It's good TV that you didn't have two weeks ago. Yeah. Listen to the fans. They will tell you the right thing to do and what they want. Let's get to our main event. John Cena is going to win the raw elimination chamber match over Randy Orton, our truth, John Morrison, King Sheamus and CM Punk. Uh, it takes 33 minutes and 10 seconds. And Meltzer would know on his first night back as a referee, Scott James, AKA Scott Armstrong got the main event. Um, I didn't like this one as good, but it was still fine match. It got four stars, but you're probably right. I probably liked the other one just because, uh, it was first. Um, what'd you think? This one was different to me and I can't really put my finger on why maybe it is, as you said, just too much of the good stuff. But they're breaking the glass and going through, I mean, all that crazy stuff. It's all here. You watched it back. What's your take on this main event? Well, everybody busted their ass, but you know, once you've crashed through the glass a time or two, uh, you know, and nobody's bleeding, nobody gets stretchered out as a result of it. It's a lot of the same stuff. And again, in that time period, you know, right last few years that I was there, uh, they had made that elimination chamber a little more padded. It was a little more talent friendly. It allowed for some bigger bumps at this particular time, though, it was still a very dangerous thing. And, uh, the eliminations, I think, you know, were all done well, very creative, some high impact stuff. And, uh, I don't know that the winner was something that you could have predicted because you had some players in there. You know, CM Punk would have been a favorite, I would think, wouldn't he? I mean, you would think coming into this, it certainly felt like it to me. Uh, Meltzer would write, Punk then monkey flipped Cena through the glass. That was the fifth time. And given it was set up for the finish, probably should have been only the 
the only time, or at worst, the second time on the night. Punk then tried the same thing to Morrison, but Morrison held onto the pod and didn't go through and came back with a knee. Morrison missed Starship Pain on Punk and was selling the knee that had broken the glass earlier. Punk then pinned Morrison at 3250 with the GTS, and Cena immediately got Punk in the attitude adjustment, threw him over the top rope onto the grating, and pinned him on the outside of the ring at 3310. So Punk is the last man in there to be eliminated. And, you know, this to me in hindsight feels like, well, duh, they're going to push John Cena. But I think a lot of fans probably thought this is punk's year. Punk's going to do it. And it didn't happen. I agree. I agree. I don't think it would have been a shock if he would have went over, uh, he was getting over, uh, but still, you know, Cena was their guy and you want to end the night on an, uh, you know, a uh, feel good moment. I think if you've spent all that money and you've drug your family out there and you guys have been there for hours, you probably want to have a feel good moment. And Cena was the guy. He was the feel good moment. Two questions. Then we'll wrap this one up. Uh, one, have you produced an elimination chamber match before? Did you do one of these or any ever? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, just car crashes and stuff. Not your forte I've said before, not my forte. It's Michael Hayes deal here. Yeah. So yeah. L- let's talk about punk. We know that the big pipe bomb promo is going to come four months after this, uh, in June, but in real life, he was frustrated with the way things were going. Did you have any idea that punk was frustrated or upset? Was he becoming increasingly difficult to do business with, or did that all kind of catch you by surprise when you saw the pipe bomb promo and the direction they were heading on camera. Well, I knew that that was him expressing his real views. Yeah. It's too strong to not be right. Um, and that's one of those things that I think that the brain trust said, let him go say what he wants. I don't know if they expected it to go that far, but I mean, they're still talking about it today. So, but did you know he was unhappy here? By elimination I did. I did. I know he was dinged up and he was working hurt and that bothered him some too. You know, he needed to, to get well. Um, I know he wasn't happy for a number of reasons, but it was never one of those things, Conrad, where I sat down beside him and said, okay, what's bugging you? Right. I would just go by, see that he wasn't joking. He wasn't stretching out. He wasn't kidding around or anything like that. He would just kind of be wherever he was kind of to himself. And I'd just ask him everything. You all right. He'd go, I guess. And, and I wouldn't question it. That's a guy's personal space. If he wants to let me in, he would have said, Hey, sit down. Let me ask you something. But I knew something was going on uh, because he was positioned well on the cards. Right. Well, I think his frustration probably is he, he wanted to be, and Lord, I don't really know him, but I think we've read enough and heard enough that he wanted to be the top guy. He wanted a main event WrestleMania. And, and when you want to, when you main event WrestleMania, you're the top guy. And instead that honor goes to the Miz. And so the main event of WrestleMania that year was Miz versus John Cena. And I think punk probably uh, didn't have the same amount of respect for Miz that an outsider might, because 
Punk came up through the independence and Miz was a WWE wrestler, whether that's fair or right or whatever, but still he was probably a little upset that he's sixth on the card working with Randy Orton and Miz is in the main event with the world title. Would you say that's a fair assessment of how he was feeling at the time? I would say there's a lot of talent at that WrestleMania that were pissed that Miz was in that spot. Yeah. And when being in the match with Randy Orton is looked at as being mid card. Yeah. That's that's yeah. He's main event. Pr- pretty freaking stout. Yeah. And I mean, at any time and under any circumstances to look at that as being a less than as tells you something's going on and you know, somebody's mind. Um, yeah, that, that during that period, you know, it was like, I don't know. There, there was, there was a lot of animosity around and a lot of people, you know, that were trying to get over and move up in position and, when Miz was wrestling scene, I just know that there were a lot of guys that felt like they had been in that spot, should have been in that spot. And if you didn't want to be in that spot, something's wrong with you. So I remember there were some, there was some tension here and there. I want to remind everybody, we are going to be covering that WrestleMania. It's going to come your way on April 6th. So right before we watch this year's WrestleMania, we'll get to go back and revisit WrestleMania 27 from Atlanta. But that's going to do it for us today. Don't forget, you can get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. Coming up next week, it's another hashtag Ask Arn Anything. And if you've got a question and want to participate, well, it's easy to do so. Just go find us on Twitter at The Arn Show. I am at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Arn. Hey, listen up. You want 50 grand? That's right. You heard me. You want 50 grand? Go to SaveWithConrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Just check out Cassidy in Odessa, Florida. Cassidy left us a five-star review and wrote, Everything that Conrad says in his ads are 100% true. Our experience with Jimmy, Jennifer, and Steve couldn't have been better. We moved into our house a little over a year ago and weren't sure if refinancing was even a worthwhile experience. Come to find out, we were able to have a similar monthly payment, a lower interest rate, and less years on the loan. Assuming we stay in this house, we'll pay our house off four years earlier and save about $50,000. And really think about that. How much is your house payment? You know, to the penny. Now multiply it by 48. That's how much they saved. How much can you save? Find out right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but I'm telling you, if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if I can save you money. It's a matter of how much. And I really want you to think about what the end of your loan looks like. See, most of us don't do that. We just go ahead and say, well, I can afford the monthly payment. Yeah, you can right now, but can you imagine you at 70 years old? Because if you're 40 years old and you start a new 30 year loan today, you'll be 70 before you pay it off. Don't do that. Get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. Let's make sure you retire on time by retiring your debt early. Find out how easy it is at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? We're licensed in more than 40 states. If I can't save you some cash, I won't waste your time. Let us run the numbers for you right now. Give yourself the peace of mind of knowing you've got the best deal possible for your family, thanks to my family at First Family Mortgage. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? 
That's right. You can skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Double A's on the scene now, baby. I told people I would break arms, break legs, do whatever I had to for people that stuck their nose in my business. I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot, toot, big time, if you know what I'm saying. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.